Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. God says, I don't need a guitar. I don't need piano. I don't need drums to move. God says, whenever you gather in my name and bring up my name, that I will move in your midst. I thank you, church, for responding. It's not like a regular service. I, I understand, but as I stated, God will move. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. Uh, it's one of those days where you almost wish that we almost had like a retractable roof on the building or something. Uh, I've, I've been trying to get that in the budget, but apparently that's too much. So, I promise I'll just keep it short and we'll just go out and enjoy it that way. Amen. So, just keep Pastor in your prayers as he's traveling. Uh, he told me he was going to call if he won the, um, the Salesman of the Year Award. I didn't get a phone call, so I don't think he got it. <laughs> but, amen, just keep him in your prayers as he's traveling. Amen. I am parched. Parched. I might be going through this water bottle before I'm even done with my opening scripture. So we're going to get to that opening scripture right away before I just guzzle this water down. John chapter 3, verses 9 through 18. It's not 27 scripture, Sister Sanchez, but it is 9, so. John chapter 3, verses 9 through 18. They're talking about... This is Nicodemus speaking. And if you don't know the story of Nicodemus, Nicodemus is a, a wealthy man. He is a well-educated man, and he's a high-ranking member of the Jewish church at the time. And we, we find that Nicodemus has come to Jesus at night. And this is where we pick up. It says, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, and are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe them, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to the con condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whosoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. I'm going to be preaching on a, a title and Sister Sanchez. I know you're going to have a song stuck in your head. There may be a few others that are out there with a song stuck in your head. My title is called Faith Beyond Belief. In case you're wondering what that song is, there's an old Petra song that came to my mind called Beyond Belief. And so that's going to be my title for today, of Faith Beyond Belief. You may be seated. 
So the Sydney to Melbourne race snakes across Australia's beautiful southeast corner covering a distance of almost 550 miles. If you've heard this story, don't quote it along with me. If you haven't heard this story, then you can listen and you're going you're gonna to hear a story, all right? So just be, be ready. This is a story I'm going to tell you. So it's considered a real man killer even by veteran runners who are used to running across the hottest deserts and the most coldest and barren terrains on the planet. And in 1983, Cliff Young decided to enter the inaugural event. Cliff was not your average athlete. In fact, he was not your average anything. Because Cliff was a cowhand. He was responsible for gathering the cattle after violent thunderstorms. Now, my wife tells me we're not allowed to have any more animals. She tells me I can't have any goats, any chickens, turkeys, nothing running the, because she doesn't want to be Cliff. I said, I'll volunteer as Cliff, and she said, no, you won't. I'll have to be Cliff. Because after the, the goats or the cattle get out, Cliff is the one who has to go about finding it. And the thing is, Cliff did this without the aid of a GPS, without a Hummer, or a small light aircraft, but simply by running around on his foot in the hoof prints over an area of the size of a small U.S. state. Which is pretty remarkable to me in itself, right? This dude's fine. He's finding cattle without any guide, any GPS tracking. There's not a dude in a helicopter saying, Hey, Cliff, 300 yards to your right. Oh, I see him. None of this. Cliff is doing this by himself. And he knew that he had high levels of stamina. But this was another matter altogether because the entrants were super fit in, in their prime. Cliff was 61 with little competitive experience. However, the one thing that Cliff possessed in his deck of cards was a burning belief that he could. And that he would complete the race. He didn't have any self-limiting beliefs that there were calls for him to even back out or to be disqualified from the race. But when they started looking in the rule books, there were rules that said, you had to be at least this age to run, but there were no age limits on how old, on the, on the cap limit of how old you were. So after looking over the rules, uh, the judges said, he can race. So it was a hot day in Sydney when Cliff turned up wearing nothing but overalls and galoshes over his boots. Inviting howls of derision from some of the 150 competitors and growing interest from the press and those around him. The race started, and to nobody's surprise, Cliff was soon lagging behind. And he had a very strange way of running, as the story goes, that he would barely lift his feet off the ground. And they said he looked more like a cross-country skier than a runner. Which I just imagine just a guy just 
running around. Really weird looking. Goof. But halfway through the first night, Cliff rather remarkably took the lead. Rather than stopping for the traditional sleep break that most ultra runners took part in, Cliff took a fraction of the time that the others took and just kept going, eating pears straight out of a tin as he ran to give him energy. And by the following morning, much to the amazement of everybody, Cliff had built up a substantial lead. And it was an impressive performance, but the old timer was inevitably going to relinquish his lead because he had to give himself a break, right? Only he never needed to do so. He was driven by the belief that he could rest. Once he finished the race, nobody told Cliff he was supposed to stop for six hours every evening. So what did Cliff do? He just kept on running and running and running. And Cliff did the unexpected in finishing the race, but he did the truly remarkable and not just winning, but amassing a, a staggering 10-hour winning margin. Cliff Young decided what was possible for him, not his family, his family, his friends, his society. He said he set his perimeters in life. And he set his own beliefs that he could achieve. A 61-year-old amateur rewrote the book on distance running. Suddenly others realized that it was possible and started to believe that if Cliff could do it, so could they. And they didn't suddenly increase their stamina overnight, but they did so by, or they did increase their belief in what was possible. And as I read this story, I started to think having belief in God can sometimes seem like a race, can seem like a marathon. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, I have finished the race. And I think Paul is trying to tell us here that he knew life was going to come against us sometimes. Sometimes life is going to be a little rough. Sometimes rough life is going to throw harsh terrain at you. Sometimes life is going to give you bitter nights. Sometimes life is going to seem like everything is conspiring against you. How many of us have ever felt like Cliff in this place where we seem like everyone is doubting our abilities? Everyone's doubting what's going to happen in our life. That's never going to happen. You're never going to get better. You're never going to see yourself out of this financial situation. You're always going to deal with depression in your life. The anxiety that you feel, you just have it. But Romans 8, 29, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You were called to be like Christ. And that's no small feat. Think about this for a moment. I don't want to put you down, but have you ever just sat there and thought to yourself, what does it mean to be like Christ? Christ is almost an impossible thing to think of. Do you mean Zachary, the perfect one, the one who was sent to take away our sins? How am I supposed to live up to that standard? 
And that's why Paul tells us that it is a race because sometimes it's going to take some strength and stamina. Sometimes it's going to take some work. Sometimes it's going to be an extra time at the altar. Oh, I thought we were in church today. Come on, someone preach with me because I thought sometimes it's going to take a little extra living for God. Sometimes it's going to take stepping out of our standard and being able to speak to our friends or our family about God. Because I'm going to shake some foundations today by saying this. God has not called you to be comfortable. Living for God is not living comfortably. But God has called us to be uncomfortable in today's world. You weren't meant to sit there and stay silent. God has called you to live an uncomfortable life with the status quo. You were not meant to be there and just stay silent. You were made to share the gospel of Christ. Mark 16 is a a great example of this when it says, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel of the whole creation. It's a verb he uses here, go. Means you physically have to do something. You have to make it up in your mind that I'm going to do this. Going doesn't just happen by you sitting there. Going doesn't happen by you just randomly moving. But there is a physical Movement. There is something that happens in your mind that says, I don't care what I used to be like. I don't care what my past defines me. I don't care how society says I should act. But I am making it up in my mind that I will go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. And here's the next part. It says, for the whole creation. And that part is so important, church. It's not, well, I mean, we all know how I feel, first of all, about just cultures and everything. I love cultures. Love it. I'll study it to the ends of the earth. Because God doesn't want just a church of the Anglo-Saxons. He doesn't just want a church of the blacks. He doesn't want just a church of Latinos. He doesn't want just a church. But he says, I want every single person who is willing to hear my voice, who is open to my word. I want you to preach to them. I want the gays. I want the heterosexuals. I want the transgenders. I want those who don't know what they're going through in their life. I want those who are confused. I want those who know what they're doing. Continuing in Mark 16, it says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. How will we ever reach our church or our world church if we first don't go? How can we ever? see our community saved if at first we first don't go. And in verse 17 it says, and these signs will accompany them who believe in my name. 
It says that they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. If they drink any drink that is deadly, I will not let it hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I know that this is a church full of believers. I know that this is a church that says, I'm tired of seeing sick people in my family. I know that this is a community of church members that says, I am tired of seeing the devil bring my community down. I am tired of seeing the poor in my family being hurt. Jesus says, go to them so that you can lay hands on them so that you can be an example to those who need it. In verse 20 of, of that very same chapter, it says, And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Now what that means, church, is that the Lord had to be with them whenever they went out and preached. They had to have belief that the Lord was going to be with them. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that belief can be a little troubling. That belief can be a little hard to understand. That belief sometimes gets a little in your head. I don't know. I don't know if I believe in God. I haven't heard from God in years. I've dealt with this sickness for too long for me to believe that there's a God. Maybe it's just me, but I know I've been there in the darkest points of my life where I've said, God, are you there? God, are you listening to me? God, do you even exist? But what God is saying to each and every one of us, if you just trust in me, if you have faith in me, it's going to be hard. Thomas, one of his own, who was with him, after his resurrection, he saw him and still doubted. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, church. I'm not saying that life is always going to be rainbows and sunshine and unicorns sometimes there's going to be a little shoots with your ladders sometimes you're going to get stuck in the in the mud place at handyland and i think for me that's the hardest part church is that waiting so the theory of Self-perception concludes that you make the same judgments about yourself and use the same processes and make the same errors as you do when making judgment about others. For example, when an athlete endorses a product, you may wonder if he really uses that product and believes in its consumer benefits or if the athlete is just using it as a means for monetary gains or benefits. And you often look at your own beliefs and attitudes in the same manner. Did you buy the shirt because it was on sale for a dollar at Walmart, honey? Yes. <laughs> or because you actually like it? Yes. 
And sometimes we, I'll be the, I'll, I'll be the one who does that. Like, do I like this shirt or do I just like the deal? I don't, I mean, if I just like it for the deal, what's the point? Like my father, all right. He went down and he looked at a game and he was like, X amount of dollars. And he's like, I just, it's got so much work that needs to be done. And then I was like, well, what about the Donkey Kong you're wanting? He's like, yeah, but that's like 2X amount of dollars. I said, but yeah, if, if that's what you want, isn't it worth the extra money? And like, I'm that type of person where if it's, if it's something you want, maybe sometimes it's worth spending a little extra money. But God is asking you, are you here because it's the right thing? Or is it because you actively want to serve him? What's the reason you're at church today? Is it because you, I know I should be here. It's a good deal to be at church. Or are you here because you like being in the presence of the mighty Savior? Are you here because you like serving God? Are you here because you like being able to feel his presence that comes down upon his church? Are you here to play church or are you here to have church? And God is ready to move in this place today. But there's a question I have to ask you is, are you ready? Are you ready to accept the moving of God in this place today? Or are you ready just to sit there and let God move right over you? Are we content to be on Facebook or are we just ready for God to open up into our lives? Sometimes we're too busy playing Candy Crush whenever God's looking to crush it. You can laugh there. It's okay. <laughs> but what God is wanting in this place today is to move in someone's life. Someone who hasn't felt his presence in a long time. Someone who says, God, it's been a long time since I've felt your presence. It's been a long time since I've been able to speak in tongues, God. Maybe your insecurities are screaming at you in your head. Self-doubt, depression is coming against you right now. Your past mistakes may be popping up in your head. What your friends think of you may be coming against you saying they're not going to like you anymore. Hebrews 11 and 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, or evidence of things not seen. And you really didn't think you were going to go through a sermon without me getting in a little bit of Greek, right? Because hope for can be said as El Pizzo, which you are expecting. Or it means to wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. Having faith or having belief in God means that you are happy. 
in God. And that you have confidence in God. Even in trials, even in situations. I know it's hard, church. But God, I thank you for allowing me to go through this. God, you're teaching me every day. Conviction. Ellen Gekos means proof. Proof by which a thing is proven or tested. God wants you to test him, church. He says, if you're having a trouble, bring it to me. I want you to test me today. And another word I focused on in that is things not seen. Things is pragma, a deed, by implication, affair by extension, an object, a business matter, a thing, or work. God is working in your life. God is saying, test my works. Test my words. Hold me to my words. See what I will do in your life. Such a Sanchez, if you don't mind coming. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, God chose what is low and despised in the world. Didn't say he was left with that choice. He says he, opt, he opted into that. He purposely chose what is low and despised. Anybody ever felt like that in this place today? Anybody ever come to a point in their life where you said, nobody likes me? I feel so low in my life. And it continues in saying, even things that are not. How about people that have felt great in their lives? Anybody felt great in their lives today? It continues, says, to bring nothing, things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Jesus Christ. It's not by your own deeds. It's not by what your family did. It's not because of your pastor that you're in the presence of God. Who because, of, who because to us, who became to us, excuse me, wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. God is saying, I want you to be able to testify about my goodness. I want you to have belief in me. So test me. Prove me, church. You may feel like a nothing. You may, be, you may have been told that you're a nothing. But church, God says, I can make anything out of nothing. I formed man out of the dust on the ground and I spoke the universe into existence. There is no sickness too great. There is no devil too great. There is no anxiety so great that I can't defeat. God is asking you though, do you have faith? I'm going to ask the church to stand. And I want you to ask yourself, do I have faith in God?
Do I have belief in God? It's a little harder to have faith in God and to believe in God whenever it's your last dollar you're giving in the offering plate. It's a little easier to give that dollar when you have a million in the bank account. Now, I'll be honest, church, it's, it's easy to come to the altar and praise God whenever everything's going great. But sometimes it's hard to come before God and say, God, I have, I have issues, God. I have depression in my life, God. I have addictions in my life, God. But when God speaks... All of creation listens. And when God speaks, everything has to obey. When God speaks, your sickness has to listen to him. When God speaks, whatever addiction is afflicting you has to listen. Whatever has burdened your body, whatever's burdened your mind, or your bank account, whatever it is, church, listens when God speaks. I'm going to open these altars for the next few moments. And if you have faith in God, if you're looking for a faith in God, if you're looking to prove God, I ask that you find yourself at these altars. If you're Finding yourself in a battle, in a trial, in a situation where you're doubting God, I ask that you find yourself in these altars. Because God says, I want to prove myself to you. I don't want you to go around life doubting me, but I want to prove to you there is not a doubt. There is not a single thing about me that is fake. But I am true. I am real. And I want to prove that to you. Let's come before God right now. Hallelujah.